Welcome to the Weight Loss for South Asian Women Professionals podcast. I'm your host, certified life and weight loss coach and physician, Dr. Amruti Chowdhury, MBBS. I lost over 92 pounds using the mind management tools I teach. In this podcast, you will learn how to lose weight for the last time by taking control of your mind. Once you deal with the mental weight, the physical weight will be much easier to release. If you're ready for a fresh new perspective on weight loss, you're in the right place. Hello, lovely ladies. Welcome to Podcast 27. Today, I have an extra special treat for you. Recently, I went on Dr. Bonnie Koo's podcast, who is a certified life coach and a physician and founder of the Wealthy Mum MD. She is a fellow life coach and doctor who has a mission to help women create wealth and rewrite history. I went on her podcast recently to discuss the similarities between losing weight and making money. This is really useful because so many of my clients come to me to initially lose weight, but using the mind management tools that I teach, they initially start using them for weight loss, but then apply them to making money and building a business. So this is really useful for anyone who is looking to do the same thing. I hope you enjoy it. And before we get started, just to let you know that if you're listening to this when it is aired, you can go to my website www.amruticoaching.com to get a new document that I have created. It's a lovely PDF document which is about how to stop overeating during the festival season. So with Christmas coming up, with the holidays coming up, I wanted to support all of you during this time. It is an amazing seven-step process on how to stop overeating during the festival season. Now, you may not want to focus on losing weight during this time, but what you can do is focus on the simple seven steps that I teach you in the PDF and you can learn how to stop overeating during this festival season. So I hope you enjoy it. Now, let's get started with the podcast with Dr. Bonnie Koo. Enjoy. Welcome to the show, Dr. Amrudi Chowdhury. Thank you so much, Bonnie. So it's such a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So for my listeners who don't know you, can you just briefly introduce yourself? Yeah, so I'm Dr. Amruti Chowdhury. I am a certified life and weight loss coach in the UK and a retired physician because I have become a full-time coach and I coach South Asian women professionals on weight loss. Yeah, so for those of you listening, you might be like, okay, why is there a weight loss coach on the show? <laughs> and so the reason why I wanted Dr. Chowdhury in the show is, is this. If you follow me and you've been listening along, then I have great news for you because all the skills that I've been teaching you apply to losing weight. So it's really two for one. <laughs> and so I want to bring her on specifically to kind of pick out some of the concepts that we both coach on that end up being very similar in terms of the skill sets needed to either lose weight or make money. Mm -hmm. And I would say from now when you listen to my podcast, if you are someone who's trying to lose weight, ask yourself, how does this apply to losing weight? Because it's the same. It's, it's great. Plus, Dr. Chari has a lovely accent, so it's fun to listen to her voice. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So I thought the first thing we could talk about is processing emotions. Now, it's something mm. that we talk about a lot, meaning you have to allow your emotions to come up 
and feel them and process them. You know, I know in weight loss, we talk about allowing urges. Mm -hmm. And so do you want to just spend a maybe a minute explaining what that means exactly? Because I don't think I specifically mm -hmm. talk about allowing urges to my audience. Mm. Yeah, so this is one of the topics I talk about a lot in my in my weight loss coaching. And it's because when people want to overeat, it's normally because they're trying to buffer against a negative emotion. So they want, what that means is they're trying to push away a negative emotion and they use food to numb that out. And what often happens is when you're feeling an urge, which is an in intense over desire to eat or do something off your protocol or, or anything like that, that's what often takes them away from following the plan that they've made ahead of time. So we talk quite a lot on feeling our urges and how to be able to process them, even when they feel like you're going to die. They feel like they're so strong and they feel like that you're not able to do so. So one of the things that I teach them is um, feeling your emotions and feeling your urges are exactly the same thing. It's about tuning into your body, actually like feeling it directly in your body, describing it, thinking where they're feeling it in the body and just like tuning into their body as opposed to looking for something external to make themselves feel better. Yeah. And that's definitely a skill that many of my clients, I don't, you don't coach just women physicians, right? No, I coach any South Asian professional. Yeah. So, but basically kind of type A professional mm -hmm. women, right? And so yes. we, I think, are taught not to feel our feelings. And something mm. I heard from Glennon Doyle, the author of Untamed, it's such a simple sentence, but it really struck me. It said, feelings are for feeling. It's like, okay, duh, that makes yes. sense, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, a lot of my clients will, well, we'll use food as a buffer, you know, mm -hmm. they're feeling, they're in a bad mood and then they'll eat something thinking they'll feel better mm -hmm. or they'll go shopping right mm, <laughs> yes exactly so yeah the buffer could be food or over shopping so it, they're normally a hand in hand and I coach a lot of women physicians as well and the, the it's exactly the same basically so what I tend to find is that when they do one or when they start losing weight, they may then go to another buffer. So before they learn how to fully feel their feelings, they you know may be following their food protocol, but then they go to overspending. I mean, that happened with me in my own journey, so I can feel your pain. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense, right? You learn how to process emotions with one specific thing, like mm. eating or spending money. But then once you've mastered that, it usually ends up moving along. Because I think we're always going to want to avoid feeling our feelings. You know, for mm. me, it's definitely social media is my biggest vice when I'm when I'm buffering personally. <laughs> yeah. So, and okay. I think it's also because society doesn't teach us about feeling our emotions. It's uh, often frowned upon. It's often like, oh, that's quite woo. That's quite like, you know, soft and mushy. And especially as women physicians, we uh, that may not be scientific enough for us. But when we actually get into actually tuning into our bodies and feeling it, the actual freedom that you get is phenomenal. Yeah, no, totally agree. Also, I think there's this sense that if you have enough willpower or mental strength, mm. you won't need to feel your feelings, right? Yeah. It's perpetuated in medicine. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this just reminded me because I think so many of us are just afraid of feeling our feelings, certain feelings. We go to such great lengths to avoid them. Mm. Yeah. And then the consequences can just be so huge. And so what I see in my clients is... They're so afraid, and this is a segue into the next topic, they're so afraid of making a mistake and mm. the consequence being, you know, losing money that they don't, they don't even try, right? Because mm. risk is so scary to them. The fear of mm. failing, I think, is just so high in our clients, right? Because mm. we're 
type A, we got straight A's and failure yeah. wasn't an option. And especially as a yes. doctor, like failure mm. means like you could hurt a patient unintentionally. Mm. And so do you see this in your clients? I guess the analogy would mm. be gaining weight. Yes. Like so this happens all the time. This happens all the time. So when I'm actually coaching them from the beginning, we talk about um, how we're going to fail our way to success. And when they hear that, initially, they're like horrified, like, what does that mean? I don't want to fail. But actually, we talk about failing forward. So like, how how are we going to fail? And either look at that as a win or a, as a learning opportunity. So what can we learn from that fail that's actually going to drive us closer to our goal, as opposed to further away from it? Yeah, our society's relationship with failure is <laughs> not a great, you know, model to learn from because basically if you think about even just our school system you know the grades i don't know how the grades are in the uk but here mm. a is like the highest grade and then f literally stands mm. for, i think it stands for a failure i don't know i just assume that's what it means <laughs> but it's like getting enough is like horrible right mm. and yeah but you don't learn anything when you're always getting a's exactly that and so what we what we teach is like how can we learn our way there because it's it with weight loss and I'm, I'm sure it's the same with making money it's like a lot of trial and error so it's not like there's totally. a perfect route for every client um, it's different for every client and so you have to fail in order to know what doesn't work for you so it can drive you to actually find what does work and what will continue to work for you yeah, I love what you just said that it is a lot of trial and error, like finding the way that works for the individual. Mm -hmm. Like obviously you and I have, you know, steps and processes that we take our clients mm -hmm. through, but like each mm -hmm. individual journey can look so different. Mm -hmm. Okay, so here's here's a good one. So another analogy is weighing yourself on the scale, right? You see mm -hmm. a number. And mm -hmm. then for money, it would be either the balance in your accounts or your, your net worth. Mm -hmm. I guess net worth mm -hmm. is probably a better measure. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. how do you talk about that with your clients? Yeah, so it normally starts off with a lot of my clients fear the scale. And we talk about how the scale is completely neutral. So it's the same same analogy as the bank account, say if it's negative or whatever the bank account is. And a lot of my clients think that the scale is causing them to feel a certain way, especially if the scale's gone up or anything like that. But what we look at is how what we're thinking about the scale is actually creating our feelings. So we, what I take them through is how do they actually want to think even before they get on the scales? Like what do they want to believe about themselves even like without even looking at it? So this takes me to the belief aspect of what do they believe about themselves even when the scale is going up or going down with, with you, it's probably the bank account going up or down, right? Yeah, I love what you just said because basically it's like, we're allowed to believe whatever we want about ourselves, no matter what mm. the external measure might be. Mm. And I think a lot of women think we're only allowed to believe certain things about ourselves if like certain external measurements also line up. Mm. Meaning, and, else, and I think, you know, with weight loss, especially, or just weight and like body size, society just values thin women so much that mm. I think a lot of women just feel like, well, I'm not allowed to feel beautiful or think I'm mm. beautiful or think I'm amazing if mm -hmm. the scale doesn't match up with that, right? Exactly. And what we actually work on is body image and actually self-love 
first and when you start loving what loving your body if you do want to lose weight that's when the weight starts coming off because when you're beating yourself up into weight loss or the same thing with you beating yourself up into making a certain amount of money then it's never going to be sustainable because how you get there is how you stay there so if you're beating yourself up for weight loss when you get to your goal weight you're going to keep continuing to beat yourself up and that's just going to lead you to burnout or self-sabotage and, and then put the weight back on Oh, totally. And this is basically the arrival fallacy concept, right? Like I'm sure mm. some of your clients are like, oh, I'll be, I'll be happy. I'll feel so great myself when yes. I'm this weight. A lot of people feel like, oh, all of my money, stress and fears, or I'll feel secure once I have this much in the bank. And then I just mm. gently remind them, yeah, but you used to be a medical student. Yeah. You made no money <laughs> for the most part. And then you became a resident where in the U.S. we get paid around four to $50,000 U.S. a year. Mm-hmm. And then you became an attending where you're income like quadrupled for the most part hmm. and like they're and they're like oh <laughs> i think like each time like there's a step up we think we're gonna yep. feel better but it's like yes it just like magnifies and in fact i mm. i will tell them like if we don't clean this up right now because mm. the common thought for my clients is like i don't have enough or i feel insecure mm. about money mm. it actually gets worse the more money you have and i found this yes. for myself and so i really mm. had to get to work to clean up myself because I said, because if you don't clean it up and you end up having a million dollars, if that's your goal, mm. you're going to be afraid to lose the money once you get there. Mm. Like It'll just like flip the fear that you yeah. have. Yeah. So it reminds me of scarcity, right? So um, scarcity thinking with regards to money or with food. So what shows up for my clients is um, that... Um, so firstly, when they first start off, it's like the scarcity of, oh, I'm not going to have enough or it won't be enough to sustain me. I won't be able to stick to this. I'll miss out, you know, things like that. And then when they actually start getting to go away, it's like, will I be able to stay here? I won't be able to stay here. You know, those kinds of scarcity thoughts that pop up that we have to really work through. Oh, that's so interesting. Like just thinking about like my you know journey with weight, mm. I definitely... I'm pretty good at like losing weight. Like that's not mm. like a big, although lately mm-hmm. it's been harder. I'm sort of blaming my age, but I'm sure that's not really true. I mean, maybe it's partially <laughs> true, but not the entire story. But when I get to my goal weight, mm. I think it's such a, it's unfamiliar territory to me. And so I always end up gaining it back slowly over time or like, well, I can mm. eat, like I kind of think, look, well, I can do whatever I want now because I'm here. Mm. But that's not really true. I yeah. found that out many times. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Same here. <laughs> yeah. And that's a different, I don't know. Do you think it's a different skill set to like maintain where you are? Yeah. I think it's like, what happens is you don't get the external validation that you get when you're losing weight. So when oh, you're losing yeah. weight, you're, everyone's saying to you, oh, wow, you've lost weight. You're doing so well. You can actually see the numbers moving on the scale, which you can choose to think you're, it's working or whatever you choose to think about that. And when you're maintaining your weight, you don't get that external validation anymore. And so you have to learn how to self-validate so that you can still maintain it as opposed to relying on the external validation. Oh, that's such a good point. I don't think I've thought of it like that. So I think for money, it would be a lot of us aren't used to just having money, Mm. right? Like just having it. Because I think so many of us think of money as we get it and we just, okay, what do we do with it? Meaning like Mm. how do we spend the money versus Mm -hmm. just like, really being, I don't want to say happy, but just feeling like really sufficient with like having Mm. the money and not needing to do something with it. 
Yeah. And a lot of my clients, they're just not used to being at goal weight. They just don't know what to do with themselves because for yeah. decades of their life, they've been either gaining weight or losing weight, gaining weight or losing weight. So now they have that mind that they have that freeness in their mind. And they're like, wait, what do I do with all of this? Like mind space and energy and you know, all of that, that they now have. So they often like, you know, go and build businesses or, or take up hobbies or some, do something completely new because they've got so much free space in their mind now. Yeah, no, totally. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the analogies. So one of the things I talk about a lot is spending plans, which is my preferred mm. term versus budget. And I will actually mm. say a budget is, sounds like a money diet and nobody likes yeah. diets. So I think this <laughs> yeah. is a great analogy between money and eating plans. So, mm. you know, we both trained at the Life Coach School. And so I'm familiar mm -hmm. with the basic weight loss tools that they use, mm -hmm. although I'm sure yours are a little different. Mm -hmm. And so one of the concepts I teach is to create a spending plan. And all that means is that we are making decisions about how we're going to use our money in mm -hmm. advance, mm -hmm. uh, where we use our, you know, thinking brain, our prefrontal cortex, if you will, to make logical decisions about spending because in the moment if you haven't made a decision your toddler brain will often you know take over it might not be like a i'm like they say that's why you should never go grocery shopping when you're hungry it's so funny mm. because i'll make a list i don't go <laughs> shopping these days i just get everything delivered but when i used to go grocery shopping even when i was hungry I'd be like but if i make a list i'll stick to the list but mm. yeah there's something about when you're hungry like you just mm. start buying stuff that you don't need <laughs> Yeah, it's so true. That's yeah, totally. I now just order because I know that I would probably do the same. Yeah. <laughs> but, so like, um, how do you teach yeah. your clients about, you call it an eating protocol, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So tell us about that. Yeah. So it's basically the same concepts as the spending plan. So it's using your prefrontal cortex or the thinking part of your brain to um, make decisions ahead of time for you so that you don't then rely on your primitive brain, um, the more animal part of the brain, because whenever we're relying on the animal part of the brain, it always wants us to do one of three things, seek pleasure, avoid pain, or stay how we are. And whenever we're doing that, because the primitive brain is very, it likes to have routine and it's the, it, it likes to take the path of least resistance. It will always choose the cupcake over the, the avocado salad that you've got planned on your, on your protocol. And so if you're not planning, then you're always going to be using that primitive part of your brain, which is why I, I encourage my, my clients to create a protocol so that they're using the higher part of their brain. That part of their brain is looking at their greater goals. And so they're more likely to sustain that and actually um, follow through when they're planning with their prefrontal cortex. Yeah. And so for those of you listening, you might be thinking, okay, but then that sounds great. But then what happens when you're like in the mm. moment? And this is where mm. that first thing we talked about in the beginning of the podcast, allowing emotions, allowing urges, mm. like that's the skill that you have to develop mm. to basically follow through on the plan, right? Yeah. Do you see process? I say process. Yeah. yeah. I lived in the UK for like three months and I remember like loving just like all the different ways people pronounce things. <laughs> so yeah, there's a process and what we said earlier about you're going to have to fail and make mistakes mm. because that's just part of how you get mm. to the other side. And I think mm. what came to me is you're not going to know how to do it correctly. Cause if you did, we mm. would have, you already, exactly kept, that you already be where you, know, you would have already lost the weight already made the money. Mm. And so it's like, but I think like society just makes us fear failure so much. A lot of us don't mm. want to do it. And so we quote, unquote mm. fail ahead of time. It's like, why bother? Mm. Because we don't want to fail. And so we just, stay failed, so to speak, right? 
Exactly that. I like to think of it as um, like a, a skill that you learn. So it's basically like driving a car. So when you're driving a car, initially, it's like, ah, oh my gosh, I don't know how to drive. You know, I don't know what goes where and it feels really clunky. And then you go in the second time and then it's this, you know, it's a little bit easier. Then you do it like five or six times and it's getting easier. And then a few months later, you're just driving the car and it's second nature. So it's the same thing with feeling urges and feeling uh, emotions. It does feel clunky and scary at first, but then when you do it more and more, your primitive brain doesn't then offer you as many urges when it realizes that you're not giving into them as much. And so your desire actually decreases drastically when you are going towards the urge rather than running away from it. So it sounds like what you're saying is you need to put in the work. <laughs> yeah, it feels hard initially. But re remember, if there's discomfort either way, like there's either the discomfort of staying the same and not growing, or there's the discomfort of growth and actually um, feeling the short term discomfort to get the long term comfort. So most of my clients say, yeah, I'd rather feel the short term discomfort to get the long term comfort. So yeah, all about the delayed gratification, right? Yeah. So for spending plans, you know, we usually were talking about one month increments or, and, you know, I, I actually have them think about what, what they spend annually. And then because mm -hmm. cer certain things are like monthly, but then certain mm -hmm. things aren't just for example, you know, for a lot of my insurance premiums, I actually pay once a year because it's usually a little cheaper versus paying mm -hmm. every month, they add extra fees, but you still want to put it in your spending plan, mm. you know, what it is monthly to make sure it adds up annually. So mm. I'm assuming for eating protocols, you don't plan a month ahead of time because that's <laughs> crazy, right? So what do you recommend? So I uh, recommend planning 24 hours in advance because that involves using that higher part of our brain to do so. But often I, well, I also do event plans and plans for special occasions, plans for holidays, plans for eating out, because these are the situations where a lot of my clients worry. They think, oh, well, I can eat on protocol when I'm actually at home and, you know, at, or at work. But actually when it comes to socializing and meeting with other people, that's when things may change. So that's when we create specific protocols for these occasions so that they're still able to feel in control and having anticipated the obstacles that may come up, come up with solutions for themselves and then, you know, follow through with that in, in actual time. Yeah, no, that's such a great point because I think the same applies for spending, right? Because if they're just having a, I don't know, like a, like a regular month where they're just doing their normal daily routine, but then when they're traveling, right? And mm -hmm. so a lot, like, a lot of my clients will be like, but I want to be able to buy things. And I think it's really easy to think that these protocols, these plans are meant to be restrictive, right? Because that's mm -hmm. just like the societal messaging we get that like, it's restrictive, dieting is mm -hmm. restrictive. And like, mm -hmm. if you're working on your money, then you have to spend less. Like it's all, it's like very like, you know, based on restriction. And so, you know, I teach the same concept. Like if you want to be able, cause I have, for example, I have certain clients where they understand the idea of creating a spending plan, but then they're like, but mm -hmm. I like to just spend spontaneously or they, they don't want to mm. have to plan every purchase. And I'm like, well, great. You can plan for the spontaneity. Like it sounds mm. ironic, but yeah. I'm like, you could put like, whatever that is for you, maybe a few thousand dollars where you're just like, if you want to buy something on a whim, like mm. you can do that, right? Like it's just mm -hmm. included into the plan and the mm. same thing. So the, when I travel is definitely where I tend to get in trouble with eating. But one thing <laughs> I've just given myself grace about is like, just because I'm someone who wants to, I don't know, be healthy or just maintain my weight doesn't mean that like, I can't eat certain things or that mm. I can't let loose for certain times, right? I just can't do that, exactly that. every day, right? So when I was mm. in you know, Cabo a few weeks ago, I don't think I really had an eating plan. I think my eating plan was to only eat when I was hungry 
Mm -hmm. to stop when I was full like I just like left it very like bare bones mm -hmm. and then I had to think about alcohol because definitely alcohol mm -hmm. can be you know not a problem for me but it's like yeah after you have one or two drinks like your your thinking abilities go down the drain yes <laughs> so yeah speak. I know what you mean <laughs> yeah so I've had to like just be really conscious about that like maybe say I, I will have two drinks I actually don't even remember mm -hmm. if I like follow that or not but I didn't I didn't really mm -hmm. make it like a big deal if I drank mm -hmm. a little bit more than mm -hmm. I wanted to or etc mm-hmm yeah, so it's similar to having that that plan. So what I do with my clients is um, actually anticipate it ahead of time and be like, okay, they're allowed to have whatever they want. So it's never that, you know, I'm telling them you have to have this. They get to choose their plan. And it's basically then holding themselves accountable, which is what we teach in the coaching. So they can have two drinks or they can have 10. They can put whatever on their plan. But then knowing that they're willing to stick to that plan and when they do follow that plan, they're willing to accept the consequences that may come with it as well. So when they're going to have 10 drinks, some of them write, yeah, I'm going to have 10 drinks. I'm going to really go all out. And then they write, okay, well, I'm willing to accept the consequences of hanging the next day of feeling sluggish of eating everything off protocol and things like that. So it's yeah, accepting those consequences and owning that, which is what, what I teach my clients. Yeah. Um, I think there's this concept that I see a lot in eating, but also with money is that there's like good and bad food. Or like, mm. I really should, because I think when people lose weight, they're thinking, oh, I need to only eat quote unquote healthy food, mm. or I should go vegetarian or whatever mm -hmm. the, the diet of the of the day or the year is, right? And I think mm -hmm. for money, there's a, so much morality tied to what you spend your money on. Mm. And so it's interesting. I think I have some clients who, before they, you know, join my program, they were really afraid that they were, that I was going to tell them that they can't buy nice handbags mm. or that they <laughs> can't fly first class. And mm. so I think this is, I think such an important thing for everyone to hear is that that is not what this is about mm. and that is not what eating is about. So I want to hear sort of your take and I'll tell you mine. Yeah. So my take is that like initially they come in thinking that they can't eat that. But what we teach them is there's no can't or there's no good foods or bad foods. It's just foods that are going to actually serve their bodies or foods that aren't really going to serve their bodies. And it's going to be different for everyone. And so when they are able to look at that and see that they're making that choice to eat that, then it's not like, oh, I can't have it anymore. It's just, I'm choosing not to have that. And then that takes that deprivation out of it. So it's not like, oh, I had a bad food. It's taking that like emotion out of it and just seeing it as the facts. So I ate a donut. And so if you think of it like, oh, I've eaten a donut and then go into the all or nothing thinking, like that means I'm going to eat off protocol all day, then that's obviously going to, you know, make it harder to lose weight. But when you look at it as, yeah, I had a donut. I enjoyed the donut. I'm just going to go back on protocol. Then it just takes all of that emotion out of it. And it makes it easier for them to look at it for what it is rather than the story that we create in our brains. Yeah. And all the self-judgment and shame we, mm. we pile on top of that, right? Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And so I think I remember one client specifically, she was because she was someone who loved to give. Like that was just one of the things that mm -hmm. gave her so much joy to like donate to charity. And she thought I was going to tell her to stop doing that so she could save more money. And I said, what if you learned how to make so much more money you could give even more? Because I think so many of us, when we think of money, like we think of like cutting expenses, right? And so I think mm. the same is for diet, dieting. Mm. Losing weight is like they have to eat less food and they're going to mm -hmm. just have to like deal with it and be unhappy. And mm. so that is one way to like create more money to do other things. 
Hmm. But on the flip side, I don't know. I don't think there's an analogy for weight loss. But on the flip side, I- the analogy that I can think of is overexercising. So everyone thinks that they need to overexercise to lose weight, but actually. Sometimes overexercising is detrimental to losing weight. And so the less you exercise in terms of strenuous exercise, it can actually be better for you. So that's the analogy that I can think of. Not sure if it fully relates, but I think it. Yeah, I definitely, when I was younger, I definitely was of the mindset that in order to lose weight, you have to not just eat differently, but also Mm. exercise like a lot. And I remember even, Mm. I still have the, the app on my phone although I just use it to track my weight but my fitness pal for example like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember like I would enter the food and like calculate the calories like who wants to count calories like that's just mm-hmm. I'm just so glad I don't do that anymore but I used to and then I remember like entering my exercise and then like making sure everything added up meaning yeah. like, if I ate a little bit more then I had to make sure I exercised to like negate the calories and like that's just yeah that's what so many people do or you mm. they still do that yeah, so a lot of people do that. So we have to get out of that diet mentality, the calories in, calories out mentality, because it just doesn't work like that with our bodies. And so it's like a lot of just reprogramming of the brain because for so many decades of our lives, we've been thinking that way, right? Yeah. All right. Well, this was such an interesting conversation. Why don't you tell us sort of like your top tip and you can give more than one if you want for mm-hmm. those women who do want to lose weight. Oh, okay. So I'd say the the top tip is probably not what you're going to want to hear. (laughs) It is learning how to feel your emotions and feel your urges. And I know we've talked about this previously, but if if you can learn how to eat only when you're hungry and only when you're physically hungry rather than when you're emotionally hungry and trying to push away a negative emotion or a positive emotion, that's when you will get down to your goal weight because you'll be actually fueling your body with what it actually needs rather than what it wants because you tend to lose weight when you eat what you need not when you eat what you always want to eat right yeah it sounds so simple (laughs) you know it sounds simple and it is simple but it's the following through that is where it takes practice And it's like a muscle. And when you exercise that muscle, it aches initially. But then when you keep exercising, it grows and it does the exercise easily. So the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And I know that it sounds cliche, but it's true. Really, the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so helpful to have a coach to coach you during Mm. that process so that you're not doing Mm. it alone. You know, yeah. just having like a guide and mentor to kind of help you and understand how to evaluate things so that you're not beating mm. yourself up. Because that's like the worst, right? Like, because yeah. all of us are going to come up to obstacles and then how mm. we treat ourselves is 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 going to mm. like make all the difference. So exactly. And it normally what happens in weight loss and in, probably in, in money as well, it's we feel a lot of shame when we've eaten off protocol. And shame is one of those emotions that wants to hide, right? So you want to not tell anyone about it, hide, cover it up, things like that. And so when you actually go towards the shame and I see that actually the shame is not as bad as I th- think it is in my brain then a coach can help you see that because if you aren't getting coached sometimes you would you know want to follow that shame and hide but a coach will actually be able to guide you towards it and feel it yeah so good all right everyone so basically we just told you all the secrets to making money and losing weight yeah (laughs) and it's the same guys as you can hear (laughs) yeah well thank you so much for being here i think my listeners learned a lot and How can we learn more about you? 
Thank you so much for having me. So you can learn more about me by going to my website, www.amrutycoaching.com. And I'm currently enrolling um, for a group coaching program. So if you're interested, you can either message me on Instagram, which is at amruti.coaching or message me on Facebook. I am Amruti Chowdhury on Facebook, or you can email me and you can find the details on my website. Yeah, we'll be sure to link all that information in the show notes so people can just kind of click and and find you easily. All right. Thank you so so much, much Bonnie. Thank you. Bye. For more free resources and for information on how to work with me, visit www.amruticoaching.com.